What's up? I'm John Stom. I'm Danny Gula. I'm Jeff McCullough. This is the podcast where we talk about the past, the present, and the future, and all kinds of random fun topics therein. <laughs> do people say therein? Therein, yeah. Yeah, yeah they I do. mean, in the past they did. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's why this podcast is called, are you ready for it? Let's hear it. Timely! Hey! Yeah. This is Timely, the Randomonium Podcast, and if you've been listening for a while, you know of this podcast is just the Randomonium Podcast. Uh, but it now has an official name. Yeah, we, we said in our last episode that we were going to be announcing a new name, and here it is. And then we disappeared for a while. We were okay. busy. <laughs> we were very busy. And this is this is a day of, of big announcements. Not is only is day. this podcast called Timely, that's that's the smallest deal of, of all these announcements. So not only are we announcing that this podcast is called Timely, we have an even bigger announcement. It's gigantic. It's probably the biggest announcement of our lives. I mean... Yeah, that's not an understatement. I, I mean, our, our wives and children would be really upset about, you know, when we announced our marriages and births <laughs> of our children, but this yeah. is way bigger yeah, than that. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. anyway, go to the announcement. Yeah. So, you're here. You probably know this already, but we have moved on from VAT-19. We have moved on. Good use of words. Okay, so, in other words, we quit, or we left. We don't like to say quit, though. It sounds negative. It's really not a negative thing. In fact, we made a whole video that you can watch right now because this this podcast episode is going out at the same time of this big announcement on YouTube. On our brand new YouTube channel, Randomonium, we've made a video that explains all about why we left Fat 19 and all the reasons and what we're doing now. And there's a lot more detail that we, we're not really going to get into here on this podcast episode. Yeah, we could probably at least nutshell and say no hard feelings. No hard feelings. Can, can we not blow past something you just said, though? Sure. And that is new YouTube channel. New. New. Called Randomonium, which is going to be filled with content. Yes. Totally original by John and Danny. Man, we are yeah. super pumped. This, I mean, I'm like feeling, I'm feeling hyped just talking about it. Yeah. Getting tingly. I'm getting tingly. It feels like we've, you ever heard the expression, jumped off the cliff and, and you were trying to build the airplane on the way down? Uh-huh. Yeah. It kind of feels like what we're doing. We, we quit Bat 19, we jumped off the cliff, and we kind of have the pieces of an airplane. It's called Randomonium, and we're putting it together as we as we fall. And the funny thing is, is as we're recording this, we have no idea how successful the launch has been. But as you're listening to this, you can just mosey on over to the YouTube channel and you find can, out. Yeah, either right now you're on your phone going, ooh, <laughs> there's only like 200 views on that video. So or, c- contribute to our success and go watch the video. That's right. what you need to do. We're really hoping that this new YouTube channel um, carries us you know, away from VAT19 and all the amazing years we've had there and we still like Danny said no hard feelings we still um, have great relationships with all the people at Bat 19 including we we made a great video for Bat 19 as well that's right the the last episode of Hidden in Plain Sight yeah the finale kind of explains the whole thing a bit it was a really fun send off it was a really fun final thing to do with Jamie so there's a lot to be excited about and I have to tell you one thing that we've always been excited about is this podcast yes I'm excited about getting back into it because it's been a minute yep but we are officially back mm-hmm. and I say with that we dive into this podcast let's do it so yeah so again I'm Danny and I will be talking about the past today and I will be giving you a little bit of a tidbit into why we may have already had our first woman president 
and other ways the government has been lying to us over the past few years. Okay, that's Se- quite the tease. Secret president, secret president. <laughs> I like that. It's a good, it's a good tease. I also like the use of the word tidbit. That feels mm. like a, a past thing to yeah. say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is Jeff, and I have the present segment, and I'm going to be talking in honor of all of the announcements that we're talking about today. Danny, you are known to be one that can hide in plain sight, correct? <laughs> It's been said. I'm going to be talking about some things that every day hide in plain oh. sight and we don't realize it. Oh, we'll find I, out. I'm super excited to talk about that too. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I've got some things to say, but I'm going to I'm going to hold my hold my tongue. Yeah. And I'm John. And for the future segment, I'm going to talk about a theory that describes why Mozart will sound better to you in ten years than it does today. Interesting. That's confusing. All right. So let's head to the past. Okay, so to introduce this idea of the past, I want to talk about something that's going on right now, which is this pandemic that we're all sick of, right? Good use of words there. I'm sick of the pandemic. Yeah. Yeah. So 25% of Americans believe in some way that the whole thing was planned. 25% of Americans think this is a pandemic. That is a large percentage of the U.S. population who I would refer to by some sort of name of being unintelligent, but I'm not going to go that, that far. So what I want to talk about, though, is some U.S. conspiracy theories that have actually proven to be true over the past. Ooh, I was going to talk about conspiracy theories, so, so I'm glad you are. There's a really funny comedian named Ron Funch who who's like raises the point that, like, I understand not believing in all conspiracy theories, but you think the government's telling us the whole truth all the time? No. No, they're not. They're definitely not, and they definitely haven't been. Can I spend a second on his name? He's a comedian named Ron Funch. Ron Funches. Funches. Okay, that's even better. Ron Funches. I mean, his name is funny. He's he got. Even, the... You didn't even have to say a joke, and his name is already funny. Yeah, he's he's great. He's got an amazing podcast. I hear uh, he doesn't pull any Funches. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Uh, so we're going to talk about a couple, a few uh, conspiracy theories that are actually true. The first one is called Project Sunshine. Anybody ever heard of this? Sounds familiar. Does it have to do with the big ball of burning gas in our solar system? Uh, It has to do with the big ball of burning gas, but it's one that man made to blow up each other. So it has to do with nuclear experimentation. And the the conspiracy theory was that the U.S. government was stealing bodies to test out radiation and nuclear fallout. Like dead bodies. Dead bodies. Like digging up graves and... Well, that was the theory. So there is some truth to it. And it wasn't technically full-on bodies... But here's where it gets really creepy. They needed young bodies. Oh. So they would get parts of dead children and babies. Okay. And they would test radi- different radiation things. On when them. was this? This was during the whole nuclear testing phase of America. So like let me see. Manhattan Project? Like stuff? Manhattan Project era. So this was... So we're talking um, like 30s and 40s? After Manhattan Project in the wake of Hiroshima and Nagasaki. So it's after World War II okay. and we're testing all of our nuclear stuff. So 40s and 50s. And how did they procure said bodies? Uh, <laughs> that's a little bit... We don't we don't know all of that part. Okay. But uh, they basically recruited a worldwide network of agents to find recently deceased babies and children and they would take the limbs often without uh, the families even giving permission or knowing that's a yucky 1500 grieving families they took took, uh, parts from their children so america america uh another one was during prohibition there was a rumor that the u.s government was has anybody heard about this poisoning the booze so that people wouldn't drink booze because they would die what Sounds like one of those rumors that they purposely started with no intention of doing just to 
deter people from drinking. Yeah. Well, it actually started a little bit before prohibition, but yeah, the U.S. government did do that to an extent. They poisoned. Uh, they they basically encouraged industrial alcohol production, like the regular stuff you clean with and stuff. But I guess somehow icy purple. Yeah. Somehow you can make booze out of that. You can make moonshine out of that. And they would had them add poison to that part so that people would make moonshine they'd get sick and they'd be like oh don't drink moonshine people are dying from that but they legit did that and they actually did it with um before prohibition they did it with uh cokes and colas and stuff why that just seems mean like did people actually die do they know oh yeah people died more than ten thousand americans had been killed by the tainted booze wow yeah so here's my favorite one. I teased this early on. By the way, can I just say, thanks for starting the podcast off on an upbeat note. <laughs> Listen, it was really hard. <laughs> it was really hard. Because <laughs> the world is upside down right now. <laughs> and, and what you're saying is, it always has been. <laughs> well, just for to catch anybody up who's new, usually our future segments are kind of doom and gloom. Like, you know, usually talking about aliens or like i don't know the like apocalypse the apocalypse and yeah things falling yeah. apart in society but robots taking over yeah this well, time it's doom and gloom with the past well as dark as this is it's still somewhat like entertaining to me to be like oh man like there are conspiracy theories that are real and then that just gets my mind going on like oh what about the aliens Ugh, dead babies and poison alcohol this is entertaining <laughs> well here's a better one <laughs> wait 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 before you go on <laughs> I just saw a tweet that was pretty funny today. He said, if we all knew how 2020 was going to go, we would have just gone through with that Area 51 raid. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. That's true. Yeah, it is. Yeah, who knows? So here's the one that I teased at the intro, which is our first woman president, essentially, um, was the wife of Woodrow Wilson. Did our, Jeff is our resident historian when it comes to presidents. Are, were you familiar with this concept at uh, all? No, I wasn't. So apparently Woodrow Wilson suffered a stroke towards the end of his presidency. Were you aware of that? Yes, I did know that. Uh, and like they'd kind of like assumed like, oh yeah, they, the public statements were uh, that his wife just kind of helped him communicate and did things like that. But she legit ran the government for the end of his presidency. They're finding out by looking through everything like, oh no, she was pretty much just doing it. So we've kind of had our first woman president. So why not the vice president or the secretary of state? It all had to do with image. So they didn't want to pro- project like a weak, sick president. So they just hid that. And then the person who was with him all the time, his wife kind of just Took over. That makes Woodrow sense. Woodrow Wilson. We're talking like early 1900s, right? Yes. Like yeah. uh, we're talking during wo- World War One. Okay. Yeah, World War One. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Yeah. That's a big deal. That is a big deal. What about uh, MK Ultra? You guys heard about MK Ultra? It's one of the more popular uh, conspiracy theories I w- that actually came out true. Sounds like a beer. <laughs> it does sound like a beer, but it's not. It's the name of a Muse song. Yeah. It's uh, it's the name of a lot of things. It gets it's it comes up a lot in uh, pop culture. That was the government's attempt at mind control. Oh, yes. is this the whole uh, goats, the feigning goats yep. thing? Yeah, the the men who stare at goats. Yes. That, that, yeah, it was all about that. Yeah, it's uh, basically there was a lot of different things they would do, but they tested LSD unknowingly on a bunch of people. They would recruit heroin addicts. They would recruit college students, soldiers, all kinds of people, and basically not tell them they were torturing them, giving them LSD, doing all these things to try to find out can they control their mind, what are the effects of this drug. And one guy actually did end up killing himself after having some bad trips. So does LSD... LSD make did they say it made you more susceptible to mind control? That was kind of what they were trying to find out. LSD was a new drug at the time. Is so, it addictive? Is LSD addictive? Um, it I don't think it's addictive, um, but it can permanently mess you up. Sure, uh, which is why it doesn't get used as much anymore. Like it was really it was developed to try to treat 
mental illnesses. Yes. Um, and there actually is some pretty cool studies going on now where they're they're furthering that with newer versions of it that are safer and things like that. But uh, yeah, they actually would prescribe it a lot for people and people would microdose it at parties and stuff to like scientists who are all in favor of it. But they, the US government was legit like snatching people up and giving them LSD to see what would happen. The Beatles were also using it to write some pretty good songs. So. Yeah, they were. Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds. Yeah. So, you know, it's it's all good things. And this is what I'll leave you with. This is a nice positive one here. The The conspiracy is the Dalai Lama is a CIA agent. Oh. I think I've heard that one. What? Um, and it's kind of true. Mm-hmm. Um, he got paid over six figures. It was a hundred something thousand dollars, one hundred eighty thousand dollars, which in today's term is well over a million dollars because this was in the sixties, and it was all about uh, seeding resistance to China, weaken China. So they were funding him also as a part of whole of funding Tibetan resistance. So that was the big thing. But he took a six figure salary. Wow! In the sixties. Oh man, I'm from sure the U.S. He government found his place of zen with that yeah, amount of money. Right? <laughs> I don't really know a lot of his. Um, you know, teachings and stuff, but that seems maybe a little bit contradictory. It does, but who knows what he did with that? We don't. We really know. Like, did, did that get used to fund the, his church or whatever he was doing with that? But uh, it, it, he, yeah, he he was on the CIA payroll for a while, so to some extent, he was a CIA operative. Now you did hear you knew that about Julia Childs, right? I heard that too. Yeah, yeah I, I'm pretty sure around the time of of World War II, she was commissioned because of her notoriety to do some behind the scenes stuff. Some espionage. There were wow. a lot of uh, celebrities that would pull the spy game, like German celebrities and stuff too, that would do that just because like they're like, no, we don't like this, but we're kind of tied into the Hollywood thing. And yeah, so there was a lot of that going around. Mm-hmm. Well, it's good to know that we're walking through a global pandemic and we can trust the United States government. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. You know? You know what? All those bad things they've done, they're in the past. They're great now. That's right. Hey, they funded the Dalai Lama. That's a good thing. He's a nice guy. He's a nice man. They've He's learned. A nice He's man. got a good podcast, I think. I've heard about that actually. Yeah, he does have a great podcast. <laughs> we should check it out. Uh, All right. <laughs> All right, let's take it to the present. Yeah. Okay, we are now in the present. Feels about like now. Yeah. Feels like 2020. Yep. Speaking of now, speaking of today, let's make reference to your, um, you know, your past life at Vat 19. Right? So long ago. Mm. I know. All right, Danny, as many of you might know, has a reputation of being one who hides in plain sight. Part of a very popular YouTube series of Vat 19. That is very true. One of my favorite episodes is the one when. You guys went into the office and took stuff that was all around the office that your boss saw every day. You made some slight tweaks to them to give him clues as to where you were, but he didn't see them, even though they were everywhere, right? Yes. Right. All right, so this this is tied to something that I ran across recently that's really interesting. It's called the Mandela Effect. Are hmm. you familiar? Like Nelson? Like Nelson. It sounds familiar, but I don't think I know what it is. So basically, uh, a lot of people who were following the news in the 80s during the apartheid and all that was going on believe that they heard that Nelson Mandela died in prison in the 80s. But he didn't. I had heard that. I remember thinking, oh, like, he's he was dead. No. no. He died in 2013. But everybody believes that, and so it just becomes reality. Right. Right? So there are things like this. They're, again, they're kind of hiding in plain sight. They're all around us that everybody believes is the case, and it's not. 
Okay. So I'm gonna throw some things out you, and, and I'm gonna like test where your perspective is oh, on this. Okay? Oh, okay. Let's see if you've fallen victim to the Mandela effect. Is this gonna determine how intelligent we are, or is this just funsies? Yes. No. It's <laughs> absolutely. This is one of the most accurate intelligent tests oh, no. out there. Yep. Okay. <laughs> the president. Totally they're all is. gonna find out. Uh, it's been a ruse this whole time. Danny's not smart. All right. So we're gonna start with peanut butter. <laughs> Hang on. What? <laughs> yes. Okay. I want you to name your favorite peanut butter brand. You're going to have to answer this one, Danny. John hates peanut butter. I don't hate it. I just never eat peanut butter. You know, I, don't, I don't like it. There's a peanut butter I really love, and I don't even know if they make it anymore because I just buy like the store brand peanut butter now, but it was always the Reese's peanut butter. When they came out with that oh, brand, that was good. I loved that. Yeah. All right, so what's one of the more popular brands? Uh, Jif. Jif. Good job. How They said that most people believe that it is called Jiffy. And in normal conversation and even like news reports and stuff like that, people will call it Jiffy Jiffy? Peanut butter. Yeah, no, I've heard that. Yeah, it's Jif. It's but never been called Jiffy before? Never been called Jiffy. Choosy moms choose Jiff. That's right. Wait, yeah, why do I have this idea that something called Jiffy There's exists? Jiffy Pop, which is popcorn. No. Man, the Mandela effect, man. I it, totally... You thought some, it was Jiffy? No, I didn't think it was Jiffy. I know it's Jiff, but I, if somebody told me there was a peanut butter at one time called Jiffy, I've never thought about it this hard, but sure. I, I would have believed that Jiff now was once called Jiffy in the past or, or something like that. All right, let's go on to the next one. Okay. Cartoon... Uh, universe. Okay. I want you to think of this like logo. It's a very common logo. It's kind of like a bunch of orange circles. Looks like a bullseye, and it's kind of black in the middle. And in the middle is either Bugs Bunny or Daffy Duck. Uh-huh. What animated universe are they part of? Looney Tunes. There's a Looney Tunes. Looney Tunes. All right. Spell Looney Tunes. L O O N E Y. L O O N E Y T O O N S. That is incorrect. It's, it is, it's L-O-O-N-E-Y-T-U-N-E-S. It's like tunes like music? Like music. Well, that makes sense because the other one's called Merry Melodies. Is Why the is other... it called They missed a golden opportunity to make a cartoon <laughs> called Looney Tunes? I think they were playing off of that. I think so, well, what was Mary what is Mary Melodies in? They were always together. Was it like was there maybe like a different cartoon company called Mary Melodies and then they like they merged? I'm not familiar. You're not I familiar don't... with Mary Melodies? No. They were like the, you see the logos at the same time. It's like uh, Looney Tunes, Tunes Mary, Mary Melodies. Melodies. Yeah. I remember that. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like part of the graphics. Yeah. It's a Looney. Hey, that's a Looney Tune. Right. Yeah. Okay. Maybe it was because the music was such a big part of it. Like, it just seems weird. Like the whole. It seems like the wordplay is about Looney cartoons. Maybe maybe cartoons weren't called tunes yet. Like T O O. I think they were. Were they? I don't know. I don't know. All well, right, let's, let's go to the next one. Yeah. Children's book series about a family of bears, really popular in the 70s oh, and 80s. I know this one. Okay, what are they called? So th- I know what you're going to say yeah, on yeah. this one because I was recently uh, woken to this one. Yeah. Yeah, this was one that like the entire world was today years old when we found this out. Mm-hmm. I thought it was Ber- Bernstein Bears. Yeah. yeah. Berenstain Bears. It is not. It's, it's not. Berenstain. It's Berenstain. S-T-A-I-N Bears. Yeah. I remember looking at that because I have kids now and I remember looking at this when I'm reading them the books and I'm thinking, is this some kind of knockoff? Like what is Berenstain? I've always remembered it being yeah. Berenstain. Berenstain. Like, I yeah. thought it was just a play on the name Bernstein. You kind of yeah. just, yeah, say Berenstain or Berenstain. Nope. You've been mandela been Mandela, but the entire world was Mandela on that one. That's true. Let's Nobody if, knew that. Let's see if everybody's been Mandela on this one. Something stinky, like a couch or clothes or socks. So you buy a spray called Febreze. Spell it. F e b r e z e. I know. I'm, I'm a I'm a spelling stickler. Except I missed the Looney Tunes one. F 
F E F E B R E Z E B R E Z E. There's no two. E- it's not two E's in a row. No. Febreze. It should be. It should be, but it's, it's not. There's right. only one. It's it's B R E Z E. There's one E. Yeah. It's not breeze like a breeze. It no. should be. Again, this is uh-huh. another stupid one. Like Why? like Looney Tunes, where they miss the opportunity. Like it seems like they're trying to say breeze, but they spelled it wrong. Now was that before Google that that came out? <laughs> because I feel like nowadays that wouldn't fly. You'd be like, no, we're not spelling it this way. People are gonna miss Google it all the time. Yeah, and like it seems like people would pronounce it if you just saw it on the shelf. You didn't know it was called Febreze. You'd call it like Febreze. Or for, mm-hmm. for Brezzy. Yeah. Because like when we named Randomonium, we had a large, large discussion about like we would ask strangers, how would you spell Randomonium? And they would spell it right. We're like, good, we're most doing of it the right. T- yeah, most of the time people would spell Randomonium correctly. It's a hard thing to spell. We acknowledge that. But we, we got mostly correct answers, so we decided to give it a thumbs up. Febrezzi's. I, I guarantee you if you, yeah, if you ask people who have never heard of Febreze yeah. to read the word on the logo they'd say they'd say it wrong let's stick with the spelling thing okay how do you spell oscar meyer okay i'm oh. gonna use a song to do this my baloney has a first name it's, it's o-s-c-a-r my baloney has a last name second name second name i don't know it's m-e-y-e-r that's what you would think it's m-a-y-e-r dang it oscar mayer uh-huh oscar mayer let's stand this let's stand the spelling one all right, Toucan Sam sells what cereal? Oh, dang it. Uh, Toucan Sam sells Fruit Loops. That's I know right. this one. I know this okay, one. Okay, Danny, spell Fruit Loops. F R O O T. That's actually correct. Yeah, yeah. It's, 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 it's spelled like the loops. That's right. like the and loops. that makes sense. I'll give them that one because then you get to, like, the packaging is the O's, or they're the little circles of cereal. Monopoly Man, does he have a monocle or no? Oh. Ooh. I mean, I always picture him with a monocle. Yes, he has a. He's a mustache. <laughs> Tell me he has a mustache. <laughs> Tell me Don't ruin a... my childhood. Does he have a mustache? He has a mustache. And a monocle. No monocle, just two beady eyes. No monocle. What? Yeah, no. <laughs> Who's got the monocle? Him. Is it the peanut man? Peanut man. Mr. Peanut. Mr. Peanut. No, he's dead now. It's baby nut. <laughs> they killed off peanut man? Yeah, yeah, in the Super Bowl. I didn't know that. Yeah. Uh, did you guys uh, Did you guys know Mr. Monopoly has a niece? She's a millennial. <laughs> There's a really awesome Miss Monopoly game, and it's it's That's all weird. about women empowerment. And like the women get more money when they cross go. And like the catch catchphrases, the only the only time when women make more than men, because they're so entitled because they're millennials. <laughs> okay, it's so great. If you had a like a box full of cheese crackers, oh, no. and they have really like matured cheese in them, little little squares. I'm just gonna show you a flash of a picture real quick. Cheez Its. Okay, that is incorrect. They are not Cheez-Its. They are Cheez-It. There is no tss at the end. It's just Cheez-It. It's a Cheez-It? The whole box is called Cheez-It. Hang on. I, was, I yes. thought there was a Z at the end. A that Cheez-Its. Incorrect. First of all, what's the serving size on a box of Cheez-Its? One. One box of Cheez-Its. Right. <laughs> That's correct, John. If, if whatever Yahoo up in corporate America is putting 12 servings on a box of Cheez-Its, maybe, they are lying to the American people. Maybe that's why there's no S on the end. Because it's just like... <laughs> it's a single it's a single. The whole thing, the whole box is one Cheez-It. Okay, I'm going to keep blowing your minds. I don't know how many of these I'm going to use. Open I'm just going to keep going because there's so many. All right. C-3PO. Yep. Oh, no. Human I'm going to give you a multiple choice here. Does he have two gold legs? Oh... One silver leg and one gold leg, or one gold leg and a silver leg below the knee. Depends on the movie. 
Well, let's just go with the originals. Oh, like the 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 very well depends. Four, five, the, and six. Four, five, and six. It changes too. You probably are only talking about one, four. Changes. I actually did look at screen caps from all three. Really? And this was consistent. I know he's got a silver leg of some kind. He does get dismantled in, in episode five, but he gets put back together. So it's probably. I was pretty sure he became all gold at the end of episode four. They fixed him up. He was pretty beat up there, but he had some sort of gold or some sort of silver leg. Which is why like everybody flipped out about the red arm. And they're like, no, look at this. He had a silver sure. leg back in the day. Was it fully silver or below the knee? Below the knee. Yeah, it was below the knee. Good That's what I was going to say, too. All right. Let's stick with Star Wars for a second. Great. You guys know this, but in which... Uh, so I'm, I'm kind of testing you, but I know you're going to get it right. In which movie does Darth Vader say, Luke... I am your father. He, he doesn't, doesn't say it. He doesn't. He says, no, no. Yeah. I am your father. Yeah, right. it's been everybody like saying it. Like uh, Tommy Boy said it. Yeah. Luke, I am your father. But yeah, because she goes, no, I am your father. Because it's a response. All right, yeah. let's go to this one. Another iconic movie. My favorite. May, this might be what, my favorite movie of all time, potentially. Whoa. I know, here we go. Back to the Future? Oh, it's so good. Shawshank Redemption? So good. I'm going to go with Fellowship of the oh, Ring, Lord okay. of the Rings. Okay. okay. You like Fellowship more than the others? Oh, absolutely. Hands down. I'll uh-huh. fight you about it. All right. Return, Gandalf Return the Grey is in the Mines of Moria facing off with a Belrog. Uh-huh. I'm going Stephen Colbert nerdy right now. Okay. Uh-huh. Okay. The Belrog. The Belrog falls. Yep. And gra- he cracks his whip and grabs Gandalf's foot. And as he's about to fall, Gandalf looks up at the rest of the fellowship and says, calls them fools. Run, you fools. Fly. Fly, fly you, fools. you fools. It is not run, mm. you fools. It is fly, you fools. I was going to say, not today, Junior. <laughs> 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 okay. It's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. A beautiful day for a neighbor. Won't you be mine? Won't you be mine? All right, Mr. Yep, Rogers, right, okay? Yep. It's a beautiful day in the neighborhood or this neighborhood? It's a beautiful day in this neighborhood. This. It's this. That sounds wrong, but it I sounds guess. sounds wrong. It's a really awkward song. Like, dude doesn't have much rhythm. I've he, wa- he was a good musician. He wrote I, some good tunes. I've watched him. Like, I've watched really early versions of that show, like the black and white episodes, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's, he's, he's not as good at singing the song at the beginning. He gets better later on. Well, he wasn't a great singer, but he was an amazing pianist. Right. Was he? Yes, yeah. jazz pianist. Yeah. I did not know that. Yeah. All right. Only You Can Prevent Forest Fires oh. is said by whom? I mean, I want to say Smokey the Bear. That's my that's my gut. Yeah, but now Smokey I, the Bear, but like you I'm, got me. I feel like I've been Mandela'd. Um, You've been Mandela'd for sure. It's just a voiceover. Smokey. Only you can be prevent forest fires. It's just the voiceover. It's just nobody. He never says it. He just he just point. Who's uh, he? Is it Smokey? Somebody? Is it not Smokey? Smokey. I feel like Smokey. You, you said it. Smokey, Smokey the, bear? the Bear? There's no such person or thing called Smokey the Bear. What's the bear called? It's just Smokey Bear. <gasps> really? Is yep. that Smokey the Bear? No one ever. No, just people call him that. Smokey Bear. I remember Smokey Bear teaching me about littering. Okay, last but not least, we're going to end with this one. Okay. Danny, what's your, what's your favorite like sweet food to snack on? Oreos. Okay. Well, what kind of Oreos? Double stuffed. Okay, spell that on the package. It's doubles, normal. Okay. Don't ask me to spell that. Okay, <laughs> spell the next word. S-T-U-F-T. Incorrect. Dang it. I know it. What? S-T-U-F. There's only one F. There's just one F. It's, just, not- it's just double stuff. Yep, there's no, it's not <laughs> double stuffed or stuffed. 
It's double stuff. <laughs> Somebody. Somebody needs to go up into whatever ad agency that Don Draper's working at, naming all these crappy things, and just... Uh. <laughs> all right, yeah. so anyway, we're going to wrap this segment up, and I just I, I think we can just safely assume that it's in some ways, at some point in your lives, you both have been mandela Yeah, I've been, I've been Nancy mandela Nancy? Yeah, she's a lesser-known Mandela. Oh. <laughs> like a great niece? <laughs> it's like a step-niece. Step, step I don't know. Anyway, all right. So with that, let's uh, let's jump into the future. Let's do it. So before we move on, you may have noticed that we sound awesome. Mm. Um, yeah, I mean, he's not wrong. We I sound, mean, we sound great. We're not saying great things, but what we are saying sounds great. I'm hearing what I'm hearing, and it sounds good. Okay. <laughs> there's a reason. There's a really good reason why our voices sound improved over the last episodes. For one, we have a new name. I mean, just, just yeah. calling ourselves Timely, that just boosts that the just quality. That just sounds so good. It's all in the name. <laughs> of course, I'm just joking. The real reason is big thanks to Rode. Rode has sponsored this podcast, and they have sent us some incredible gear. Yeah, they've sponsored us in a really big way. They sent us four microphones, a Rodecaster Pro to record on, and a whole bunch of accessories that's made it really simple to make this really awesome-sounding professional podcast. We got this box in the mail here, and it was like Christmas opening it up. We were super excited because all this stuff just made our lives so much easier. If you want to start a podcast, I'm not even joking you right now. This is the simplest way to do it. Go to Rodecaster.com. Look at the Rodecaster Pro. It's this simple, portable little mixer device, which might sound complicated to you, but I promise you it's super easy. comes with all the stuff. You can get all kinds of accessories for this thing that make it dead simple to use. All these accessories are super well thought out. There's one that allows you to plug in your phone right into the mixer. So we're actually going to be taking advantage of this probably really soon, maybe in the next podcast. If we ever do one where we have a remote guest, we can just uh, FaceTime them or call them on our phone, plug that right in, and now it's super easy. It's Yeah, you don't have it. to worry about syncing or delays, the complications that come from trying to have a remote guest on a podcast. This makes it insanely simple everything that sounds intimidating or complicated about starting a podcast or recording a podcast this system makes it so incredibly simple i mean just the record button alone is a giant red button that all you have to do is press and you're off you no questions you how, how do you record uh, the big red one that's right that's it it's 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 just great we can't thank them enough uh for helping us out uh if you are looking to pick up a podcasting system go to roadcaster.com and check out all of the accessories and all the mics and everything you need to get done uh whether it's big or small you're professional or just starting out uh road has definitely got your back and they won't break the bank either like mm -hmm. as far as price goes they sit really well in that kind of prosumer range you're ready to step up from just that one little usb microphone you had and do something a little bit better then uh, this is definitely the way you should go yep. check it out thanks road welcome to the future Thank you. You're welcome. It's good to be here. <laughs> We're in the future now. We've come a long way since the beginning of this podcast. <laughs> All right. I'm going to say a statement from this, this article, this blog post, and I want you guys to just kind of react to it. Tell me what you think, if you agree with it or not. Okay. This is just an excerpt, and then we'll dive in. <clears throat> Some works of art, like songs, books, or photographs, seem good for a while, then get boring. Some works get better every time you experience them. Great art is anything that keeps getting better, even on the hundredth time. Such works have depth. 
I would I would 100% agree to that. I had read this in grad school. So I was it was like 2010, 2011, something like that and um, this guy named Andrew Botter wrote this idea down and I, I must have come across it in one of my grad school classes and it really stuck with me. So I actually just tweeted at him today. I found this guy who wrote it um, and I asked him if we could talk about it tonight on the podcast. He was cool with it. He was actually like really um, amazed that he was like, hey, I haven't, this is really cool. I haven't heard anybody like talk about this blog post in forever. Hmm. Um, thanks for reaching out. And he told me how to pronounce his last name because I didn't know how oh, to pronounce it. Cool. So it's Botter. He said Botter. it rhymes with water. Hmm. Um, so back to the premise that some things, works of art, whether it's music, um, books, photograph, anything you kind of interact with as a work of art, some of them get better over time or you can appreciate more about them over time. And some of them just fall off. And you're like, you look back on some of the stuff you listen, music you listen to in grade school and you're like, oh, I am ashamed of myself. That is yep. terrible music. All right. So we'll t- let's talk about music specifically, first of all. That's where my mind is going to go. Yeah. Because- sure. Yeah. It's it's a good it's a good way to think about this, and probably most of the time when I think about this theory, it's in the context of music. Let's look at two ends of a spectrum. So one is a very pop song. So think of the number one single right now on the billboards. I don't even know what it is. Genie in the Bottle by Christina Aguilera. Um, no, it's not. This, oh, okay. is, <laughs> not that. this is not the year two thousand three. I don't know. Oh, definitely not. It was nineteen ninety nine. All Star. Was it ninety nine? By Smash Mouth. Yeah. Anyways, wow. if it's the UK, it's a good chance it's the Killers. That's <laughs> a very good chance it's still that one. So song. we're talking about a different caliber than that, right? Okay, different caliber than that. Yeah. So whatever the number one song is, you know, you think of whatever station you turn on the if you even turn on a radio anymore, whatever song is like on repeat all the time. Those kinds of songs, you know, clear channel songs. Yeah. Um, <laughs> as he actually mentions in this blog post, um, they're designed to be very low effort to engage with them for the first time okay so think of this effort curve think of picture a graph pop song is one into the spectrum um low effort on first listen as the graph extends out those are multiple listens so you listen to the song 10 times and 100 times or whatever as it goes out you know there's, it's not like getting harder to engage with this song you've heard it once and you've already kind of got it you're bopping your head you're singing along it's, it's low effort to get into it yep. it's not like complicated um now compare that into the spectrum to the other end which is you know say something a little more intellectual like he mentions mozart in his blog post uh you could use something that we all maybe would have assumed is at the other end of the spectrum like radio yeah that's oh. first place i go to is radio <laughs> oh, yeah. i thought we were just talking about the guy who taught mozart oh you're going hiding okay yeah. yeah that picture that effort curve again is a much higher effort curve so that's first listen effort is very high it's your I'm picturing my wife the first time I showed her some of my favorite music when we first met. I was showing her like Kid A, the album by Radiohead, and she was like, what is this noise? Like, there's just weirdness happening. I don't know what, this isn't enjoyable. Sure. It's just, it's hard to engage with. You don't like it at first. By the way, I'm like, I'm a, I'm like building up with tons of pressure of thoughts right now. Really? I have so many thoughts wanting to burst out right now. So I'm, dude, I'm telling you, I, I've is, got a lot to say here. I just want great. you to know that's what I feel like all the time. Right. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it's like. Having That's a, what it's like to live as Danny Gould. Then how come it comes out like a slow trickle, Danny? <laughs> so, okay. Now go back to the pop song. We're going to overlay another graph on top of the the effort curve. Okay. This is the reward curve. Pop song, much higher reward. Extremely high reward. It's designed yeah. to be the highest reward sure. possible on first listen. You're like, oh yeah, catchy. Turn on the radio. They want you to be like, I love this song. I don't know what this is. Who is this? Turn this up. I'm jamming. I'm bopping my head. I'm singing along, basically. By the time the song's over, you know it. So 
over over the top of the effort curve on the pop song, um, low effort, high reward on first listen. But that reward curve, anybody that knows anything about pop music yep. will tell you, like, it doesn't last long. Like, you, you're into yeah. some artist for a year, maybe if that. Sure. Maybe you're into a song for a week and then you're done with it. It's almost like fast food. Um, reward curve is high at first and then just dives like a cliff. Other end of the spectrum, back to Radiohead or Mozart, very low reward maybe at first uh, maybe not very low maybe you're maybe you're sort of like loving the weirdness of it but it's it's lower reward it's a slow burn uh-huh but those who um are more knowledgeable in these kind of subjects like people who have studied classical music or whatever will say that these kind of intellectual things have a curve a reward curve that goes up over time mm-hmm. so they'll say you can appreciate go back to the beatles like or uh mozart the more you listen to it over time the reward curve actually goes up and the effort curve you know again is kind of going down so your enjoyment, the basic premise of this blog post is your enjoyment of a piece of work, uh, whether it's music, whether it's a book, is reward minus effort. I, I've i thought about this exact theory numerous times, especially in regard to music, because mm-hmm. I, I'm really into music and I, I've tried to like explain to people, why do I like the music that I like? And why do I not like the music I don't like? And here's how I've always boiled it down, which I think ties to what you're talking about. Yeah. To me... This is a, an oversimplistic way to say what you're saying. It comes down to the difference between entertainment versus art. Right. So for me, mm-hmm. um, like Champagne Supernova, Oasis, mm-hmm. when I was 16, that was an incredibly entertaining song by an entertaining band that emotionally connected with me at that time in my life. Yep. Artistically, paper thin. It's just a, it's just wailing guitars and a cool chord progression, and that's about it. With lyrics that make no sense, not even to the Gallagher brothers, right? right? Yeah. But there's other things that are more artistic, that are more even within the context of the culture and like what was going on in music at the time, like the Beatles, mm-hmm. that was shaping the way music was done. Not just entertainment, but the way like they, the Beatles built mm-hmm. rock music and pop music yeah. into something today that it otherwise would not have been so like for the beatles for example when they flipped that switch between revolver rubber soul and prior to that help help was the last kind of fully in my opinion entertainment conventional yeah but but rubber soul revolver and sergeant peppers they were switching that they're flipping that switch to this is art and i think that's why it has just got was rubber soul before or after revolver it goes rubber soul then revolver then sergeant peppers it was i always noticed it the most in Revolver seems like the light switch to me. Like, or the that's like the that's the tipped over. There's hints well, of it. There's hints of it, and and the my theory, which is you can overlay it onto this guy's theory, yeah. holds up when you think about it like this. The Beatles were a live band. They wanted to play yeah. rock and roll, and it was at that point in their career that they said, "We don't want to play live shows anymore. We want to go into the studio and build these elaborate." textured layered songs mm-hmm. that express the art of music that we want to do which is why it blew everybody's well, mind and brian wilson wanted to quit music when he heard it well not only that but it was because the the technology didn't even exist yet to do what the beatles were doing like they revolutionized multi-tracking multi-tracking like because it was only four tracks or something like that and right. they were the ones that they were like okay now we're going to mix these down and we're going to play with stereo because at the time stereo wasn't even a fade which is why when you listen to the old beatles songs you're like all the vocals are on one side right it's because they had three choices left right or both and that was it right and but they were working through that whole thing they were the first ones to treat they were one of the first groups to treat the studio as an instrument instead of being like let's capture our song as just as we did live let's 
realize this is a different beast and we can use this as a writing tool. And I think that's why with Radiohead, if we're going to go there, and I know we're getting into like, if you're not a Radiohead fan, this means nothing to you. Yep. But like, that's why OK Computer is such an important album. Because right. that was at a time when they were about to flip that switch to full artistry on Kid A. But they still had that entertainment rock from, you know, um, Pablo Honey. the Bins, Pablo Honey, all that stuff. So it kind of all conversion, OK Computer, yeah. which is why it's such an amazing entertainment and artistic album. Yeah. After that, Radiohead loses its entertainment value in a sense because they're so cerebral and intellectual. So that's that's kind of how I think through what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, I'm totally with you, 100%. I think um, those old Beatles songs that are like just purely pop, um, it's interesting because like you could almost think of it like when we go back and listen to those because we've we've poured over the Beatles catalog so many times and we just love all their songs. And again, again it gets better and better every time we listen to it. When we go back and listen to those pop songs, um, you almost enjoy them more because you can see the history of like this is the beginning of them figuring it out and like you right. said transitioning from yeah pop entertainment to art and so if you bring this into the present and i th i, I want to actually ask a question based on what you're saying john to bring it into the future but if you think about the present like this is why in my opinion and i could end up being wrong about this billy eilish mm -hmm. is she and her brother have something that i think is this perfect marriage of art and entertainment. Because I will tell you, the first time I flipped on the radio and I heard one of my least favorite Billie Eilish songs, and I like a lot of Billie Eilish's stuff, but I had not heard anything from her yet. I only knew her name. And I heard a song that is now one of my least favorite, Bad Guy. I was immediately captivated by the vocal textures and the way she was singing it and the way it was produced and the space that was in the song. And I was like, I was hypnotized by yeah. the song at yeah. how artistically, like, Original. engaging it was. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I, I, I could see here if I was going to guess as a prog if I'm going to prognosticate here, maybe Billie Eilish is what we're looking at as someone that down the road people are going to look back and be like, oh man, yeah, she was doing stuff. Oh, I totally. can't wait to see where she goes. I think that kind of stuff is very. Um, I, I resonate with that too because. When I think about some of the bands that um, have really stood the test of time, some of the most long-lasting music has been some of the hardest on first listen. If I remember, like listening to Wilco for the first time, um, or mm -hmm. or Elbow, or Radiohead, or Mozart, any of these, like you don't really love it at first. You don't like you're not cranking it up, and you're not like, man, I love this new band. Like it's not fantastic. It's kind of like how you're describing Billie Eilish on the first listen. You kind of it's like almost like ah, I don't I don't know. I'm not sure about this, but like you you can tell there's something there that you can almost mm -hmm. sense the depth. Of right. the artistry there, and you want to go deeper, and you want to listen to it again and again and again and yeah. again. And as you do that, you're almost wearing down the effort curve, yeah. And you're you're building up that reward curve, and it's getting better and better, more satisfying. But just to to talk about the other side of that double-edged sword, there is an extremely powerful bit of artistry that I've come to appreciate over the years, which is the ability to do that pop song really well and repeatedly be able to do it that is beyond impressive people who there have is an that dialed in that. yeah people yeah. who have that dialed in who can just knock out catchy thing after catchy thing after catchy well, thing i don't You're think like, this theory is necessarily saying pop music is bad no yeah, yeah but it's, just it's like, not like it's, it's your reward but yeah yeah I, I, like take bruno mars or something for example mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. not necessarily like any of his songs are incredibly catchy on first listen but they're not necessarily um 
bad 10 years later you know like see right. I, and for me and again if i'm gonna stick to my the way i kind of think through this bruno mars no doubt is an artist incredibly talented guy but to me he's an entertainment artist mm -hmm. he's almost mimicking and retreading stuff that we've already seen before and doing it beautifully music wise dance all that other stuff but there's other people that are like when you first to your point when you first even see them or hear them you're like what is this person like, what are they doing like yeah if we keep going back to radio, but like Tom York and like those guys, they were just so bizarre and like they were on a different plane than uh -huh. everybody else. You didn't, you knew you didn't understand it yet, but you're like attracted to it because you know there's like a lot of depth there. This is probably the best way that I could describe um, I, kind of what I'm driving at here too. Bruno Mars gives you exactly what you want. Uh -huh. Radiohead gives you exactly what you, you don't realize you, you want. want later you'll, yeah. and you'll yeah. get there later yeah. yeah he's like you're gonna love this give it time i know that's I, that's why i feel like this theory yeah. is so perfect i just always come back to it i'm like man this totally makes sense all right it's so convenient. we could probably talk about music all night and that would be fun but for those of you who are maybe more interested in let's say novels books mm -hmm. the novel ulysses is known to be hard to read you know Ulysses? Mm-hmm. I mean, I've never read it, but you're, you're familiar with it. Yeah. Okay, I'm reading again from the blog post. For most, getting through that first read isn't worth it. On the contrary, devotees claim that the effort, though high, falls steadily, while the reward increases steadily to heights higher than that of any other book. So, this is kind of summarizing this whole theory, the first reading is worth it if you're willing to read it again. A kind of amortization. You can go back. You can to apply it. it to movies. Yeah, too. Let's, I mean, let's do it with movies for yeah, a second. I, I think about Shawshank. That's one of those movies yeah. where the Shawshank Redemption is is probably the favorite movie out of the group of us here, right. uh, at least tied with you know some others. Um, it's it's a movie that is it's kind of dark. Like there's a lot yeah. of darkness to it. It's not like a happy feel good movie where you want to just pop it on. It's not like the way people just have the office on, you know, while they're sure. like doing homework. Oh, or you don't just, just put Shawshank on I, in the background. No, it's not a background movie. It's a it's it's like a heavy thing, and so. Whenever I remember we talked to some friends of ours and they hadn't really seen Shawshank before and, and we said, You haven't seen Shawshank Redemption, like the greatest movie of all time. Yeah, and, it's, and it's one of the, you get the reaction of like, well, I just I'm never in the mood to watch that. And I get I yeah. fully get that because it's hard to engage with on first watch and second watch even. But then if you sit with it and you really kind of think about it and process it and and feel the music and feel that yeah. story and, and mm -hmm. man, it, you watch it again on the tenth time, you're like, This is Fantastic. And Shawshank is unique from other movies that one might say would hold up over the test of time. So, for example, like Schindler's List or yeah. Saving Private Ryan. Same category. Those movies, however, are even different from Shawshank in the sense that they're almost like made for posterity's sake as much as anything else. Sure. It's to kind of like preserve the story of something that occurred in a generation. Because it's true, yeah. Because it's true. Right. As opposed to Shawshank, yeah. which is just an amazing story and it's told well yep. and it's acted well and there is like artistry on so many levels to your point that's the cool thing about cinema about movies yeah. you have writing directing lighting yep. aesthetic There's so much art you have acting you've got the soundtrack like all of it has to come together perfectly mm -hmm. in order for it to resonate the choreography of creative people like Absolutely. working together yeah you know what you, it's just, I just had an epiphany while while thinking of this, mm. and I'm gonna um, <clears throat> I'm gonna I'm gonna fart right on uh, some famous film directors here and their opinions, and I'm gonna say that's why the Marvel Cinematic Universe is great cinema. 
I was going to say the opposite. Uh, hang, hang on, hang on before you say that. Oh, jeez. <laughs> no, because now on wow, first. Wow, this is this is getting. I, I know where. I, I know where just set up brains are at. Okay, <clears throat> okay, because on first notice you just watch it and you're just like, okay, it's a fun action movie. It's just pop, like that. That's, yes. the, that's the easy way to look at the that genre that series of movies and just be like look they're big budget action movies it's, that's yeah, what they it's are. just sort of silly superheroes dancing around in capes that that's that's the yeah. i'm just going to give you a little background to what you're starting to say which is martin scorsese famous Overrated. film director <laughs> martin scorsese famous film director recently i don't know in the last year or so basically said the marvel movies are are uh, they're not cinema well he said they're not cinema and he said what did he say they're like um theme parks they're yeah. like the theme parks of movies they're sort of just like <sighs> Fun and silly, and the and they're I, not, they don't hold. not wrong. There is so much art, planning, detail, nuance that goes throughout. That's woven throughout that entire thing that you cannot experience unless you've gone through it, gone back, checked it out again, witnessed this thing. Like, oh my gosh, did you see how they did that here? They put, brought in this tiny little detail to pay homage to this thing that's going to happen three movies later, three years down the line. But just because you put a lot of thought into something doesn't necessarily make it this innovative piece of art. Because to me, you could say the same thing about Ariana Grande's most recent album. Right. As opposed to Billie Eilish, who's doing some innovative things. So my whole thing with that is, and this is, I'm going to call it right now, 20... 25 years mm -hmm. from now we're gonna look back at the Marvel at the MCU and be like yeah it was it was good for when it was but eh. I don't know because I think they went I think they went the step further and they took it to show like because that was kind of the thing that you always heard comic book nerds talk about back in the day is like these are great these are cool these aren't like these stories are good it was looked down on because it was a childish medium but the stories the archetypes the characters, all of it was so well developed and so well thought out. The emotional connection you felt to those characters by the end of that whole Marvel Cinematic Universe was who drastic. Who? I watched them all. I didn't feel an emotional connection. Anthony Stark? I mean, yeah, he was cool. I mean, it was a cool... The way they wrapped all that up was well done. I got to give them that. They, yeah. they stuck the landing in Endgame. But here's my That's whole thing. That's phase three, I think. Phase three, okay. Here's my thing. Like, those movies are, to me, the epitome of big-budget entertainment, as opposed to uh, something that doesn't require big budget and all of these giant movie studios to throw at you. There's something about, like, this visceral, um, artistic, like, insatiable drive by uh, Stephen King, you know, Shawshank Redemption, or... Um, Steven Spielberg with Schindler's List or even with like E.T. or a movie mm. like that. Like to me, there's a difference between the perfect the MCU, in my opinion, is them perfecting the formula of movie blockbuster entertainment, taking all of the like boom of Michael Bay, but putting a good story behind it as opposed to Shawshank. And they don't even, in my opinion, make as great. Like Christopher Nolan, he tells good stories still. Mm -hmm. And, you know, um, I feel like for a time Steven Spielberg did and Wes Anderson does. Mm -hmm. I mean, Wes Anderson doesn't need um, Warner Brothers Studio, whoever owns MCU, to make amazing pieces of art that, in my opinion, Royal Tenenbaums, 20 years later, stands up as an amazing You're piece You're basically of art. saying, Jeff, that the MCU... I've, so, first of all, I'm very impartial, very yeah. neutral in both of this. I've never seen any really any MCU movies I might have seen one which is I know kind of crazy but 
um, from the outside, it sounds like what you're saying is they're good stories. They're like, okay, stories, but they've been like, they've got a plus best every, you know, Hollywood, like special effects and costumes and music. And they've got, it's like peak Hollywood. We figured out exactly how to make you like have this high reward on first view. Absolutely. But we're going to see in 10 years that that, this is just the pop song. It is in 10 years. It's going to die. It's that side of the graph that you were talking about. In my opinion. I just think it's, I'm more, I'm more on that side. I got to be honest. I feel like that's right. So here's a question. If we're going to push this into the future, right? Yeah. And I know we've touched on this already a little bit, but like what either today or over the, maybe the past 20, 20 years, do you feel like has this level of artistic intelligence that we believe in the future? Though now it's, it's current, but we believe in the future. People are going to be still listening to being like, Ooh, this is, this not was something. It still this is. This is something. Yeah. Yeah. Man, I, I feel like we touched on it a minute ago with Billie Eilish. Yeah. I, I'm, I think we're all on that same page. Like, you can tell there's something there, even though she's just getting started. You can tell there's, there's depth there that's just beginning to emerge. And uh, man, I think she's got a great career. So right what, now. what television shows? Ooh. I mean, I've got some, but I know they're my personal favorites. That, that in my opinion, do some of the most mind-blowing things that I've never seen on TV before. I mean, one of those shows is Vikings on the History Channel, which, again, it's weird because we're talking about, like, just entertaining shows. Sure, yeah. The way they reproduce history, retell history, uh, the set design, the acting, um, and I, I will tell you that there's one episode that has a fight sequence in it, a battle sequence, that rivals anything that Steven Spielberg did in Saving Private Ryan. Wow. Like, I remember... I remember wow. turning the episode off being like, I can't believe what I just witnessed. Now, there's a bit of sub- subjectivity to that. So I don't know if one could say that it's going to be this timeless like innovation. Yeah, and actually that's something that I kind of skipped over with the blog post, which is like he goes into this bit of a uh, um, disclaimer that's like, all that to say, this is everything is subjective. He's not saying this is how you figure out art. This isn't like a right. formula to say what's good art, what's bad art. It's like the, the name of the blog post, actually, I should have started with this, is... One angle on art, which I think is a really good name yeah, because yeah. it's like here's one way to think about part of what we're all talking about. Sure. And he he goes into this thing about like you know, this has helped me to kind of um, you know wrap my head around some of this stuff, which I think is exa- exactly how I've interacted with this idea too. Which isn't like oh well, let me just plug it into this formula and now I can tell you what's what's crappy and what's good and what's going to be amazing ten years. Like you the things you like is are stupid. Um, so I think all that to say. Vikings, as an example, is really good um, because it, it's like an example. It's for you something that is like totally. Em- it's like immersive. Right. Yeah. But then somebody else who might not at all be interested in this, that kind of thing, they might not even want to. They might appreciate your view there that that to you is like enduring sure. art. Yeah. But they might not even have any interest in that and has nothing to do with like these kind of graphs that we're talking about. Sure. They're just like, I don't care about this and I sure. never will. Um, it's hard to do this with books because yeah. that's not as well interacted with medium any longer. Harry Potter, HP. Oh, yeah. I've only ever read the first one. I've only read the first one, too. And Dude. I read it in English class. I got to tell you, man, those where, where those books started out as entertainment and became like all, you know, controversial because of the dark magic and all that other stuff. They pulled the Beatles. And stuff yeah. Like the, I think the brilliant thing about that series, too, is... Uh, one of the first times I'd seen like a child's author 
really think ahead and instead of being like, I'm going to continue to write this children's series for years, it's like, I'm going to continue writing these for the people that grew up with it and the series ages up with the readers. Absolutely. I think the books are holding up better than even the movies and the oh. movies were really good. I've only seen the movies and I've only I've just read the first book so I don't know about yeah, the other I, books that's the about what I've done as well but just when I when I hear like Harry Potter fans yeah. talk and how the I, I actually know somebody who reads all the books every year Gus is it Gus no, actually he doesn't read okay. them every year no, I, it's my I sister-in-law remember, oh. she reads them every year and because there's so much there and it never wears out so I, maybe maybe Harry Potter is the the book or the literature that is 50 years from now, people are going to keep coming back to saying, wow. Yeah, I could, I could see it. I, I mean, see, yeah. though that series really, like, if, if I think of breaking new ground, again, like, innovating, um, that's it, man. She wasn't, like, retreading some old... I mean, there's lots of... I'm sure there's lots of, like, tropes, magic tropes. There's spells. There's wands. All that kind of stuff has been done before. But it, like, really... There wasn't anything like that before. Right. There wasn't, like, this whole genre of, like kid magicians i mean i don't know like maybe and it's they're... family and it's like it it messes with time it like does stuff with mm -hmm. a character that you're viewing one way the entire book series and then by the end realize they were had a completely different agenda mm -hmm. like there's a lot of yeah I I intellect behind all that totally yeah so yeah i mean that's i feel like we could go on this for a long time because that is a very thought-provoking perspective yeah yeah and it's like we're never gonna you're always going to be looking back on the things that you thought were good and maybe some of them are going to hold up and some of them aren't. And then there's always going to be those things that you're interacting with now that you're like, oh, this will totally hold up. This is the greatest thing ever. And like it doesn't. And right. So, yeah, you're always right in the middle. Um, but it's interesting. It's going to be really interesting to see. We should listen to this podcast again in the like future. 30 years. <gasps> see if it holds up. See if, <laughs> see if this theory holds up. Are there up. layers here to this podcast? <laughs> well, I'm just telling you right now. Now that this idea is in your brains, I would like to see if you continually think about it like I do. Yeah. All right. Well, that about wraps it up for Timely. And come back for the next episode because every episode we talk about something different from the past and the present and the future. And it's always kind of a surprise for each of us. Yeah, and we got a little freedom with this, right? Because totally. even, even in this episode, you know, we had we kind of fudged the past, present, future a little bit. But sometimes they're just like locked in. Like mm -hmm. first episode we ever did, Straw Hat Riot, 1920s. Ugh. I mean, sometimes we'll go full history. Other times we'll have pop culture discussions yeah. like this. Also, check out all of the other Randomonium content. We've got some links in the show notes to YouTube and our social media accounts. Randomonium has launched. We've lifted off. We did it. Guys, it's happening. So this is just the beginning. We're just getting started. Thank you for subscribing to this podcast. Leaving us a review if you're on uh, Apple Podcasts. And this is it, man. We are fully in this thing. We're here. All right, we'll see you guys next time.